All right, thank you, my brother. You want to help me switch that, if you would, please. Take your Bibles this morning, would you please, and find Ephesians, and we'll be in chapter 4 again. I'll give you just a moment to find it. What a privilege to be with you guys and to serve with you. And I have a PowerPoint here. We're going to try to get it all set up. And uh, let me get my... There we go. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. And verses 17 through 24 is where we're going to be. I, uh, I'm married. I have one wife. And uh, she is not in here right now. Bethley wasn't feeling uh, well this morning. And hopefully that's a passing thing and not a serious thing. But uh, I do have a picture just so you can see my family uh, here with me. And, uh, well, Matthew looks better. Cut him off. And... Uh, but uh, there's our, our family, and uh, we're very blessed, very, very blessed, the family we have, and I'm very, very thankful they can be with me. I'm going to preach to you this morning in uh, this uh, service on what do I need. This is a family revival, you know, and uh, because it's a family revival, I'm going to preach to all of you with an emphasis on your family, and I'm so glad you're part of the service this morning, and I know nothing about you, you know, but I know that the Holy Spirit knows every detail of your life. And you do know, don't you, that God wants to meet every detail of your life. Did you know that? And so if you'll open your heart this morning and let him, he'll speak to you and he'll work in your life and he'll, he'll just really help you. I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to our entire four days together. We do this every week. I'll, uh, I was in South Carolina last week, Sunday through Friday. And Saturday, we drove up here, of course, yesterday. Thursday, I'll drive back to Florida I'm dropping my family off, and then I'm going to Michigan for two weeks, and I'll be preaching in Michigan. Then I get to be home for Thanksgiving, and I'm very, very, very excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. And then I'll be in the, uh, Florida the week after Thanksgiving, and then I usually get December off, which means I don't travel. Uh, it means I prepare new sermons and work on the equipment and get everything ready for the new year and also work on our international outreach. We have a college in the Philippines. Uh, Independent Baptist College, Asia Pacific. We have 473 students, I think it is this semester, that we're training to have an impact in the part of the world that most of us could not go to, what we call the 1040 window. We're training men and women to go into there and live as they live in uh, the third world uh, circumstances. And, and so we're doing that. And we also have a, an evangelist that works with our ministry, and he's out of the country most of the time. And I'll be careful this morning. I, I won't say the country because uh, there's some issues with uh, saying it out loud. But he's in one of the 1040 countries. And he's uh, kind of under the radar. But he's been preaching the gospel. And we're seeing people saved on the other side of the world. And uh, they've already finished their services. They're tw uh, 12 and a half hours ahead of us. But they've, I don't know where the half came in. But that is true. They're 12 and a half hours ahead of us. And uh, they, uh, they've already had their services a day. And the gospel's been preached on the other side of the world through our ministry. And it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It just is. You'll see our book table in the lobby. I hope you'll look it over. There's a lot there. It'll be a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. My son Jacob is here. Jacob is 15, and he's the man. And uh, so he's in charge of that table. And I'll be near there if he's not. So if we can help you with it, you let us do so. We want it to be a blessing to you. All right, Ephesians 4. Pastor said you're always out by one, so we got plenty of time. And uh, so, uh, uh, but two, okay, two. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, you have your Bible ready? If you have it, say amen. amen. All right, here's what the Bible says. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, 
Now catch what he just said. You're a child of God. Don't walk the way the world around you walks. Did you catch what he just said? You're a child of God. You're not to live the way the world around us lives. There's a different plan. And here's why. Because the world around us, in verse 18, has the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, does that not describe our world? They're working all kinds of wickedness with greediness. They can't get enough. That's the world we live in. And then he says in verse 20, notice this transition. That's the way the world lives. But ye have not so learned Christ. You're a child of God if you're born again. And God doesn't want you to live the way the world lives. You know why? Because it will rob you of God's blessings and God's best and God's favor. How many of you would want God's blessings in your life? Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want that in your marriage? I do. Don't you want that with your children? I do. When God gives me grandkids, I want His blessings in my grandchildren's life. I want His blessings in my life. And you know, God's blessings aren't always the way sometimes we Americans think of them. We tend to think, you know, I got a nice house, don't I? Hadn't God been good to me? But God would be good to you if you didn't have that nice house, right? I got a really nice car. I wouldn't mind a nice car. I got a nice truck out there. Did you see my truck? Boy, God's been good to me. I got a nice truck. But that's, that's not really the way you measure God's blessings. That truck's just a necessary thing. I need to pull that RV. God provided it for me, and I'm glad he did. But there are blessings far more important than my house, my RV, that I live in when I preach revivals, more important than that car. God's blessings are different than that, you know. My, my daughter Abigail, my daughter Abigail's 22. She's serving the Lord in a church in Lancaster, California. That's a great blessing to her daddy. Last weekend, a young man asked her to marry him. A young man that loves the Lord and is on fire for God and is serving God. You know what? I'd love to have a Corvette. Don't you think I look good in a Corvette? Red, quad exhaust. Six-speed manual transmission. Wheels on the back, tires on the back about that big. I want it. If I'm going to get it, I want it good. Convertible. Only seats, too. What would you do with your kids? Who cares? <laughs> Bethany and I would look good. Now, I'm being silly here for a moment. You know something? There are many things I'd rather have than a Corvette. A good husband for my Abby. You see that? Good wife for my Joshua and a good wife for my Matthew. Good wife for Jacob over here who told us last night that he wasn't getting married. Amen. And then I said, say that again. And he said, I'm probably. <laughs> he backed off of that real fast. Good husband someday for charity. Wonderful grandchildren that know the Lord and love him. Those are blessings that's worth having. So what the Bible is saying here is, don't live the way the world lives. You have not so learned Christ. He has a better plan for you. In verse 21, if so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Would you follow me this morning and let me talk to you a few moments about what do I need? If you were with us in the Sunday school hour, I talked to you about where do I start. So I want to I lift for God and have a Christian life. 
and I want to live for God and have a happy marriage and a godly family. Sunday school, where do I start? I want to talk to you in the morning service here. What do I need? And I've simplified it down to two points, but don't let that excite you because they're long two points, all right? Uh, just two points, though, this morning. How many of you agree with this first one? What I need is Christ. If I'm going to be a child of God on my way to heaven, it's not by going to church. I'm for going to church. I think everybody ought to go to church. Can I get an amen there? But going to church will not get you to heaven. You, 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 can, go, you can park yourself in a church, but it will not save you from sin and hell, and it will not make you a Christian any more than parking your wheelbarrow in your garage will make it a Corvette. Can't do it. Doesn't work that way. You've got to be born again. And the reason I love Ephesians is he says in Ephesians, probably the simplest way to be saved is explained in Ephesians. The Bible explains it in a variety of ways. How do you get to heaven? How can you know that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 are the verses that you ought to know. Do you know them? Most of you could probably quote them. For by grace are you saved. Now you know the word saved. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Saved. Word means to be rescued. The word means rescued. When the Bible says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, means a rescuer. You know what that's telling us? You and I are sinners and we need to be rescued from our sins. And because of our sins, we're separated from God and we're headed to judgment. And if we're judged by God for our sins, I say this gently, don't be offended. But it's the truth. Because of my sins, I'd have to die and go to hell. The lake of fire. Separated from God, no hope, no love, no joy, no peace. Eternal damnation as opposed to eternal life. But the Bible says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Someone to rescue me from my sins. Someone that can rescue me from sin and hell. Look here on your screen. Do you agree with this? Jesus Christ alone is without sin. Do you agree with that? I'm a sinner, aren't you? You're a sinner, and you know I am. I don't even know y'all, but I know you're sinners. The Bible says, for all have, all of us, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, everybody in this room is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner, but Jesus was without sin, and he's the one that died for our sins, was buried, and was raised from the dead. Are you aware of that? That's what Jesus Christ did for us. He died for our sins. And here's why. So that through him, I can be rescued from sin and hell and have eternal life. See, you believe Jesus died? Do you believe that? Because he died for your sins, through him, you can be forgiven. And because he was raised from the dead, through him, you can have eternal life. That's the gospel. That's how you become a Christian. You can go to church and die without Jesus and go to hell. You can get baptized, but it can't wash away your sins. But Jesus Christ died for your sins, so through him you can be rescued from your sins. You can be forgiven. He was raised from the dead. Do you all believe that? Because he was raised from the dead, through Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. And here's how the Bible describes it. Watch this. With five statements. Salvation is by grace. Do you all believe that? It's by grace. It's the opposite of works. Grace is what God does. And God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, to be buried, to be raised from the dead. Because of what He did, the second line is possible. Salvation is by grace. It's through faith. 
You don't go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because you're born again through Jesus Christ. And the only way to be born again is by faith. In other words, here's a sinner, and, and, and it's you and me, and we're walking through life. We may go to church, but we're still a sinner. We can get baptized, but we're still a sinner. We can do good works, but we're still a sinner. You can be a good husband and a good daddy and a good mom and a good wife and a good grandfather and a good grandmother, a good son, a good daughter, and still be a sinner on the road to hell. But you need Jesus in your life if you're going to be a Christian and have a Christian home. And you turn to him by faith. Here you are going through life on the road to hell and you say, you know what, God? I'm a sinner and I can't save myself and I sure don't want to go to hell. And I need to be rescued from sin and hell. And you turn to Jesus Christ. Faith is depend on. You depend on Jesus Christ. You believe on Jesus Christ. You look to Jesus Christ. You trust in Jesus Christ. You say, God, you're right about me. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe Jesus died for my sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And I trust him. I look to him. I depend on him. That's the only way anybody can ever be saved. It's by grace through faith. And Paul wants to make sure you don't misunderstand it. So he adds to it those other three, three phrases. He says, it's not of works. You can't work your way to heaven. Nobody can. Talk to me. Nobody ever does this morning. Is it going to church a good work? Come on, talk to me. Nobody ever does. Is it going to church a good work? If you talk to me, see, you get out sooner because I'll preach faster. So I don't think you're talking to me. I think you're not getting it, and I park a while. So here we, here we are. Is it going to church a good work? Yes, it is. Will it get you to heaven? Yes or no? No. Why? Because it's not of works. Can you see that? Shouldn't a man be a good husband if he's married? You better believe it. Will it get him to heaven? No. It's not of works. Add it. Whatever you want to put in there, put it in there. I got baptized. That's a good work, but it won't get you to heaven. I went to confirm. I was confirmed. Well, that's a good work, but it won't get you to heaven. I went to catechism classes. I memorized every answer to the catechism. I'm telling you, that's a good work, but it won't get you to heaven. It's not of works. And just to make sure you don't misunderstand it, he says it's not of yourself. In other words, you can't do it. That's why Jesus came and died and was buried and was raised from the dead. It's not of yourself. And just to make sure you don't misunderstand it, he said, it's just a gift from God. It's a gift. Don't get too theologically advanced that you miss the truth of that little statement. I got so many friends that went to seminary and got educated beyond their intellect. Now they got the idea that gift, the faith is a gift and that God only saves a select few to whom he gives them the faith. And if he gives you the faith, then you can believe. But I can't find that anywhere in my Bible. The Bible says very dogmatically, God will have a select few to be saved. Not on your life. God will have all men to be saved. It's God's plan. God wants you to be saved. For God so loved a select few that he gave his only begotten son. It's not what your Bible says at all. Don't be afraid to take the Bible at face value. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, anybody, 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 whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is on the side of whosoever. The Bible's on the side of any sinner. Anybody who's a sinner, Jesus died for their sins. Anybody who's on the road to hell, Jesus can rescue them from sin and hell. Anybody who needs eternal life, Jesus has the ability to give eternal life. It's a gift. The whole process is a gift. God offers you eternal life. All you can do is receive it by faith. Turn to him. Trust in him. Believe. You know why? Because if you, you know what you, know what you need? You need Christ in your life. That's where all of this starts. 
You, you can work so hard to have a Christian family. And God bless you if you're trying. But if you don't have Christ in your life, you can't have a Christian family. You can't. You've got to have Christ. You can't go to heaven without Christ. I don't know all of you this morning. But it wouldn't be right if I didn't stop and just personally ask you. Has there ever been a time in your life that you were born again? That by faith you trusted Jesus Christ, you turned to Him, you believed on Him, you looked to Him. The Bible says it in a variety of ways, not to confuse us, but to give every one of us something we can hold on to. He says, but to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Isaiah said, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. Look unto me. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible, the Bible just describes it in a way. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not trying to confuse you. He's trying to tell you, pick one of those that works for you and makes sense and get to Jesus. That's what he's trying to tell you. Get to Jesus because Jesus is the Savior of the world. You know what you need? Number one, you need Christ. That's what he's trying to tell us in the book of Ephesians. You need Christ. And here's the second thing you need. Number one is you need Christ, all right? Here's the second thing. You need Christianity. That's the point of the text that I read to you. He says here, you know what you need if you're going to live the Christian life and succeed? you got to stop walking like the other Gentiles walk. They don't know any better. Things aren't well in their life. They don't know God, but you do. So now that you're a child of God, you know what you need? You need Christianity in your life. You need to live the Christian life. And here's where he starts in the text. And I'm just going to walk you through the text. Here's where he starts. He starts by saying, let's examine those around us. Because number one, their thinking is wrong. Are you all aware of that? Are you aware of the fact that the world you live in that doesn't know our God, doesn't know our Bible, and doesn't know Jesus Christ, you know what? They may be really nice people, but you know their thinking is wrong? He says it in the text, doesn't he? He says in verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Don't walk like the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Their thinking is wrong. How many of you all know Ronald Reagan? You know that name? Now don't get politically divided here today, all right? But I found a Ronald Reagan quote that I thought was kind of funny. And it helped me to... To, to, to apply a thought to this text. So don't, don't get divided. If you're, if you're against Ronald Reagan, I'm okay with that. I'm just quoting for a little humor here, all right? Here's what Ronald Reagan said. He said, it isn't so much that liberals are ignorant, it's just that they know so many things that aren't so. <laughs> Any of you remember that? I remember hearing him say that. I was just a little boy. Now, what he, was, what he meant by that was, he was poking a little humor there, but you know, we could turn that around and say, you know what, the world we live in is very confident about a whole lot of things that aren't so. They're wrong. Their thinking is wrong. Uh, let's uh, talk about a few of them. I, I threw a word on the screen. Y'all know that word? Y'all know YOLO? Some of you older folks don't have a clue, but here's a big phrase going around in our generation. You only live once. You only live once. Now, here's what the world says. Oh, live it up, man. Live it up. Live it up. Party it up. Have a good time. Live it up. Because you, YOLO, you only live once. YOLO, you only live once. A lot of our young people are taught in our public schools today, go ahead and look at pornography. Go ahead. You only live once. I mean, for crying out loud. Everybody else is doing it. You only live once. But I'm telling you, that is deadly, wicked, unbiblical, unchristlike thinking. You don't just live once. You're going to live forever in eternity. And on top of that, your life is never alone. Your life always touches those around you. 
always, always, always. Daddy, maybe you're just floating along today. I say it real gently. Shame on you. Shame on you if you're just floating along as a daddy because your son and daughter are following in your footsteps. You only live once as lousy thinking. Here's a few more. I think I got five up there. Here's a big one in our world today. Love is love. How dare you say two guys can't get married. Love is love. This is a big one in our world. Our world is telling us today love is love. Just two guys want to get married. It's fine because love is love. How dare you say two guys can't get married. What right do you have to say that? You know what the world means? Don't be offended. I'm going to teach you something. You know what the world means by this statement? Love is sex. As long as I love each other, we, we can have a physical relationship. But did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that according to Christianity, the highest expression of love is not human sexuality. It's sacrifice. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. See how the world is wrong in their thinking? And even we Christians, we get, we get bothered by it. We end up getting influenced, but you only live once. I've counseled Christian couples who are on the verge of divorce and heard a lady say something like this. I think God wants me to be happy, and I'm not happy in this marriage, so I'm abandoning it. You only live once. I've had too many guys say, you know what? She's not meeting my needs. That's why I had an affair. You only live once. I don't mean this. Now, y'all getting quiet on me, but I am telling you the truth. This is false thinking. We're children of God. We're not to think this way. We're not to live by love is love. We're to live by love is sacrifice. There's to be truth in our love and righteousness in our love. How about this one? I hesitated to put that on the screen. But the generation you live in says that porn is just harmless entertainment. Everybody's looking at it. I have a friend who's in charge of the IT of a public school system in Kansas. And the public school system in Kansas bought every kid in the public school a tablet connected to the Internet. You know what he said to me not long ago? I'm sorry, he said to a friend of mine. He told my friend, he's a pastor. It's his pastor. He said to my pastor friend, he said, every computer in our school has porn on it. Our fifth graders are looking at it. Our fourth graders are looking at it. Our sixth graders are looking at it. Our seventh graders are looking at it. Mommies and daddies, I might as well just get on a little rabbit trail here while I'm here. But a lot of parents in our generation handing our children smartphones without any filters at all on them. I heard a police officer with the Las Vegas Police Department just a few weeks ago spoke in one of our conferences. He's not a believer. He's not a Christian. He's a police officer. Hasn't yet come to Christ, but we're working on him. I hope you'll get saved. But we asked him to come talk to our parents in our, in our conference a few moments about the dangers of Internet, the Internet. He did a little question and answer time. And a, a parent in our conference said, how old should our children be before we give them a smartphone? This unsaved Las Vegas Police Department guy said without stopping, without even thinking, he said, well, you just give them a smartphone when you're ready for them to see pornography. Give it to them, they will. Unless by God's grace and God's help, you find a way to block it. 
See, our world says it's just harmless entertainment, but it's destroying our families and our lives. Here's another one. How you feel is what's most important. Isn't that what our world says? I just don't feel like I love you anymore, so I'm leaving. I just, I just don't feel like I love my kids anymore, so I'm giving them up. How you feel is most important. I don't feel like a guy, so I'm going to become a girl. That's our world. Our world is so wrong in their thinking. Here's one more. You do you. That's a big one in our culture today. Oh, come on. You just do you. Whatever you want to do, you just do it. You do You be you, girl. You be you. You be you, pal. You be you. And I'm telling you, God didn't call us to live by the world. He called us to live Christianity. And he says in this text, you need Christianity in your life, so you got to think differently. Their thinking is wrong. Their understanding is wrong. Did you read that in the next verse? Their understanding is wrong. Their understanding is darkened because they're alienated from the life of God. The last phrase says, because of the blindness of their hearts, I would say their heart is wrong. You ever, you ever caught yourself saying this? You know, they don't even go to church, but their heart's in the right place. You ever said that or thought that or heard that? I know what we mean, but can I tell you something? It's not true. According to the Bible, a man that doesn't know God and isn't living for God can't have his heart in the right place because his heart is darkened. There's one more in here. He says, uh, this one kind of caught my attention. He says, uh, they're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. So in my notes, I said it like this. Their, their thinking is wrong. Their understanding is wrong. Their heart is wrong. And look at that last one. Their ignorance is wrong. That's what he says in the text. You're not to live the way the world lives. Are you a child of God? Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? Are you a member of the church? Then you're to live differently than the world you live in. The world is wrong because of all of these reasons. That word ignorance, you know what it means? I looked it up. I did a word study on it. You know what it means? It means dumb. Have you ever done anything that was just dumb? I mean, have you? Have you ever done that? I was in the post office this year, Father's Day weekend. And uh, the lady behind the counter, she uh, waited on me. Little tiny post office in a little town where we live in Florida. She waited on me. Lady, she waited on me. She said to me, you have a good Father's Day. And I said before I could stop myself, you too. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, you're probably not a father, are you? You ever done something dumb? I was in liberal Kansas two Sundays ago starting a revival. And Monday night I went to the revival and I went to the men's room and washed my hands. And they had this soap dispenser. Put your hand under it. Spit soap into your hand. Automatic. Spit that soap right in my hand. And then I soaped up my hand under the sink there, under the faucet. Couldn't get it to come on. Shook it. I wiggled. Then I noticed it had a handle. And I thought, man, I'm glad nobody was in here to see me making an idiot of myself. That's a dumb thing to do. I know. Come on. Oh, there's a little handle there. I could have stood there all my life, and it would never have come on by itself. Because that one wasn't automatic. You ever done something dumb? Here's a, here's a few memes I found. Uh, I cut the top off. i got to reset that tonight. There's a guy sitting on the edge of that cliff. And it says, when we have nothing left but God, we discover that God is enough, but we still shouldn't sit on cliffs. That's just dumb. <laughs> and I thought, boy, that's true, isn't it? I think that guy right there is probably from Virginia. 
Got to move this bookshelf, honey. Why are we going to put it on top of my car and we'll just drive it down the road? This guy right here kind of cracked me up too. I thought that's probably not a good way to start your chainsaw. You got that chainsaw turned the wrong way. I think he's working on it. When I first saw it, I thought he was trying to crank it, but I think he's actually working on it. My son is a jogger. He loves to run and, and uh, he runs a lot and, and he runs miles and miles in the country and different places where we travel. My son, Matthew, so for his 18th birthday, I bought him a flashlight to run with. And this is a nice flashlight. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's, it's really to, to blind you, and you can actually get it to flash, and, uh, and it even, even does better, you know. So it's a, it's a jogging flashlight. And twice while he's been running, he's been attacked by pit bulls. And once he had one grab his shorts and rip them up pretty badly, and he's able to beat it off. So I bought him this for his 18th birthday because this is no ordinary flashlight. It's got a little switch on the bottom. You can turn it on, and, and, and then you push a little button right here, and it'll, it'll get your attention. You don't want to go to sleep the next few moments, ladies and gentlemen. I'll come back here and wake you up. When the dog comes out and attacks my son, all you got to do is usually just the sound will stop the dog. But if the dog attacks, you just touch him and do that, and he'll feel led of the Lord to leave you alone. So my son, after I bought him this, we were sitting in the house one night, and he said, hey, Daddy, he said, why don't you videotape me, and I'll shock myself. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. So I threw a little video there for you. Uh, let, me, let me get down here, and I'll, I'll let you listen to it. Isn't that great? I said to him, I said, did it hurt? He goes, yeah, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt. Now, here, here, here's, here's the whole point. Watch this. Watch this. Their thinking is wrong. Their understanding is wrong. Their heart is wrong. Their ignorance is wrong. You're not to live that way. I got to close. Say amen. But not yet. Because the point of this text is you need Christianity. Not the way the world lives. You know why so many families in our generation are falling apart? Because they're living the way the world lives instead of taking the steps to live the way a Christian is supposed to live. You know why so many parents lose their children, their grandkids don't even know God? Because we live the way the world lives instead of living the way a Christian is supposed to live. And what you're finding in this passage is that we need Christianity. And what he says in the text is, you know what you need if you're going to live Christianity? In the 23rd verse he says, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So what he says is, you need a new mind. You need a new mind. You can't think the way the world thinks. You need a new mind. You've got to renew your mind. In verse 24, he says, you, you need a, a new man. Put on the new man. That's a new life. You're a child of God now. You can live the way the world lives and get what the world is getting. Or you can move into God's word and live the way a Christian lives and get God's blessings and favor and joy, and look back someday across your life. And I promise you, here's what you'll say. You'll say, praise God, I'm so glad I lived for the Lord. When your kids are well, when your grandkids are well. I'm not talking about successful financially. I know that they love the Lord and know the Lord and have peace and love and joy and favor and blessings in their life. That takes a new, that takes a, a new mind, new thinking. That takes, that takes a new life, and it takes new living. And i got to close I know that. It's, it's uh, five after, and you want to get to lunch probably. 
But I want you to consider just for a few moments, you need a new way of living. And Ephesians 4 says, here's where you start, with honesty. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of himself. You want to live the Christian life? You've got to start with honesty. Did you know before a man ever commits adultery, he's dishonest? Did you know that before a man ever walks away from his wife, he probably lies to her? Honesty is where you start. This is a new way of thinking. This is a new way of living. I live honestly. I live without anger. He says, be ye angry, verse 26, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. I'm going to say this gently. If you've got a temper problem, then uh, you've got a God problem. You got a temper if you're always on edge and blowing up and raising your voice and yelling at your kids and, and intensely yelling at your spouse and, and responding with all this intensity. You're so upset, you're so bothered, and you fly off the handle. You are not living the Christian life. Anger has no business in a Christian life. You know what your Bible says? The Bible says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I had a guy say to me one time, he said, Yeah, but hold on, Brother Young, didn't Jesus get angry? I said, yes, sir, he did, but you ain't Jesus. Amen. There's a big difference in you and Jesus. He could get angry and never sin. But the Bible says here, be angry and sin not. You know why? Because anger always leads to sin. How many, nobody ever does. How many of you ever lost your temper? Come on, nobody ever does. How many of you ever lost your temper? Did you ever lose your temper and say something you shouldn't have said and wish you hadn't said it? See, it led to sin. That's what anger does. And anger compounds because he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anger has this compounding effect. Now, if you're making investments in your 401k or your uh, uh, whatever it is, 403b, if you're making investments in your IRA, you want compounding interest. But if you have been saved for 25 years and you still blow up when you don't get your way and you still lose your temper and you still huff and puff and blow everybody down... That compounding anger is destroying everybody around you. That's the truth. You want to live the Christian life? You've got to have honesty. No anger. Edification. I'm skipping some. I got to, or you'd be here till three. Because he says in verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. That's what Christianity looks like that it may minister grace to the hearers. Isn't it easy to tear down? You see that in a church sometimes. Sometimes in a church, somebody feels very strongly about something and, and our tongue tears down. I can't believe you would do it that way and I don't like how you do it that way and, and I don't think you ought to do it that way. And Next thing you know, we're damaging with our tongue. There's a right way to share an opinion it's the right way. Pray about it. Do it gently and lovingly. And be willing to defer to the others in the church. Does this make sense? This is real good stuff. I'm giving you some really good advice here. It helps a church. The tongue can do great damage in a church, in a life, in a home. You ever read James chapter 1 where James says, If any man among you seem to be religious. You ever read that verse, James 1, 26? Let me give you an illustration. Look around you. Stop looking at me. Don't look at me. Look around you. 
Look at somebody around you. Everybody turn your head, look around. Just get a good look at somebody around you because I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to answer out loud. Okay? Now you've got to answer out loud. Two questions. Number one, did you look? All right. Number two, don't we seem to be religious? Okay, some of you didn't answer. You've got to do it. Don't we seem to be religious? Look at us. It's Sunday morning and we're in church sitting on orange pews. Amen. With chandeliers all over the building, holding Bibles and listening to Dave Young. Yes, you better believe we're religious. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. If any man among you seem to be religious, and y'all do, and bridleth not his tongue, buckle up now, his religion is vain. If this tongue of mine is always negative and tearing down and on edge and bothered and sharp and cutting and biting, I'm not right with God. Because I'm living the way the world lives instead of the way of Christianity. Do you edify each other in your marriage? When's the last time you said, sweetheart, you're still the most beautiful lady I have ever laid eyes on? When's the last time you said, honey, you the man? You twice the man I married, but I still love you. <laughs> Come on, might as well say, oh me. Do you build or tear down? Do you encourage or discourage? Do you strengthen with your words or damage with your words? What's Christianity even look like? There it is. It's honest. It's without anger. My daddy was very angry. I went to a service one night, came home and sat us down and said, you know, kids, I've got to tell you something. I'm ashamed of how angry I get. And I have asked God to help me. And it's the truth, isn't it, Jacob? The guy that was my daddy, that's your grandpa, is not an angry man, is he? He's a big old teddy bear. God totally changed him. He'll take his false teeth out and let you play with it if you want to. Nothing phases that man. See, Christianity changed him. You need Christianity in your life. And here's that last one. No issues. I love this one. I love this one. Because he says here in the text in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Clean it all up. Clean it. Don't let some issue damage your life and your marriage and your children. Deal with your issues. 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 Smile at the person beside you and tell them. Smile at them. Tell them. You got issues. Somebody said, Amen to that. Amen to that. But you know something? Sometimes somebody gets married, and here's a man, and he gets married, and he's got a family now, but he's got an issue. He's bitter. He's angry. He's got some issue from his past. That's the way I was raised, just how I am. And he spends his whole life in his marriage damaging everybody around him because he never allowed Christianity to change his issues. It's nothing worse than allowing the issues of your past to damage the people in your present. There is nothing worse than allowing the issues of your past to damage the people in your present. And it happens all the time in our churches. Nobody's going to minimize the issue. 
Maybe somebody hurt you so badly 35 years ago that it still hurts, it still wounds, it's still tender, it still brings tears to your eyes at the right times. But I'm telling you, if that issue of 20 years ago or 15 years ago or a year ago is damaging everybody in your present, something's wrong. You can't allow the past to control you or you'll never make it in Christianity. God died for your sins and was buried and was raised from the dead and he can take the issues of your past and use them to turn you into a brand new person with God's blessings and God's favor and joy in your heart again and the power of God in your life and a happy marriage and a wonderful family. And that's God's plan. You know what you need? You need Christ. Is there anybody in this morning service and you'd receive him today? You'd receive Christ as your Savior. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to have a pianist play in a moment. Before we walk out of this building, if you want to know Jesus as your Savior, come see me. We'll help you to know Christ today. You need Christ. You need Christianity. Will you get started? God spoke to you in the Sunday school hour, and you know what? Some of you from the Sunday school hour need to make an altar because you need to get started. And God's speaking to us this morning, and it is time to go, and You've been a good audience, and I'm so thankful that you listened to me these 35 minutes or so. And God bless you for hearing God's word. And you need to kneel now. You need to kneel. Will you get started? What do you need? What do I need? It's in Ephesians 4. May God speak to us and help us. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, save those who need to be saved and call all of us to Christianity. Our heads about eyes are closed. Who across the room would say, Dave, I may not be everything I ought to be, but I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Would you raise your hand if you've been born again through Jesus Christ? I know Jesus. God bless you this morning. How many of you that just raised your hand would say, hey, Dave, God's speaking to me about some steps I need to take in my Christianity. Pray for me about it. I want to obey. Let me see your hands. God's speaking to me. I'm so thankful for you. If you're able, kneel. If you can't kneel, then when everybody else stands, you be seated and pray. You can take your hands down. Is there anybody in our service who would say, David, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I want to be saved. I want to be born again through Jesus. I want to know forgiveness and have eternal life. Would you pray with me about that? I will not embarrass you, but I will pray with you. Pray for me, David. I don't know that Jesus is my Savior. Anybody that way at all? I do not know that Jesus is my Savior, but I want to know, I want forgiveness and eternal life. Anybody that way? I see no hands. Let's stand, please. The pianist is playing.